Welcome to the Live Treasure Podcast, brought to you by Treasured Ministries, where every week we coach you with steps of faith you can take today to change your tomorrow. And now, on to today's show. Hey, everybody. I pray that you and your family had a beautiful time together on Sunday celebrating new life, celebrating the resurrection the resurrection power, and the life now, the new creation that we are in Christ. And today, I want to share with you a little bit about how I'm celebrating this Passover uh, season. Now, if you've been listening to my podcast, you know that a few years ago, God began a journey with me where I started to find an interest in and really wanted to learn more about the annual festivals that God prescribed back in the Old Testament and why he prescribed them and why that's important. And for me, beginning to incorporate those inside of my yearly calendar to where I'm taking time to just pause and reflect on those aspects that each Um, of these annual festivals represent, it has really been um, significant and valuable and really priceless inside of my faith walk. And a couple of years ago, I interviewed Lois Treverberg, who's the author of Sitting at the Feet of Rabbi Jesus. And I was asking her why, you know, it's important for us to celebrate. Why, Why did God have these annual celebrations? And the She had many answers, but the first that popped out of her mouth was so that we will remember. And every one of those annual festivals, whether it's Passover, the Day of Atonement, there is an aspect of God's faithfulness that we pause to reflect on and remember. And one of the important aspects of Passover, which began Friday, April 15th, and Um, It's going to end April 23rd. One of the most important aspects of Passover is remembering our rescue, remembering how far God has taken us inside of our faith journey. And oftentimes in the Bible, the Lord will um, command his people to do Uh, something. And before he commands that, he will tell them, remember, I'm the God that rescued you out of your Egypt. And I think for all of us, every now and then, God will remind us of our Egypt. He will either put us in a circumstance or maybe around certain people um, where he is reminding us of how far we come, how far we have come. And I think that that's important. Because as much as God wants us to remember his faithfulness inside of our lives, not that we're perfect inside of our faith walk, but that as we followed him to look how far we've come from our Egypt, the enemy wants us to forget that. The enemy wants us to look in at our lives and tell us that we're not all that and that we should be further on. And if we feed into that mindset, we'll start to feel powerless or like a victim. But to me, a big part of Passover is remembering my rescue, remembering 
all that God has redeemed me from. Now, on a, um, I guess, a global church body scale, that can be the forgiveness of sins that we have inside of our life. But on a personal level, all of us, God has taken us on a journey when we take him by the hand. And it's important to stop and reflect. And so during this time, because really Passover begins April 15th, goes into April 23rd, I really want to think through and really want to shift focus and just be so thankful for what God has brought me through because it's been a lot. And so I just praise him for that. And I'm so thankful for this time to stop and to pause and to remember. And sometimes we'll be put in a situation where God will remind us of just how far we've come. And it's important for us to to celebrate that. And so I just praise God for this season of Passover where you and I can pause and remember our rescue. And in doing that, there's inspiration and encouragement that flows that we can continue to take steps inside of our inner healing journey that we may not be where we want to be, but we're certainly not where we were, and that we can just call the enemy on his bluff and keep taking those steps of faith. So the first thing is that I want to be faithful this week to really remember my rescue and really just to celebrate on the victories that the Lord has given me inside of my life. And for all of us, who are believers in Christ, that means that he has saved us from the penalty of sin and also the power of it, that we don't have to walk in darkness anymore, that we don't have to bow down to our pharaohs anymore, that we can follow him and find life. The second way that I want to celebrate Passover and is what I'm going to spend the majority of my podcasts on today is I'm ready to get rid of some yeast of old thinking. Now, I want to bring you to this scripture in 1 Corinthians 5, 6 through 8. And first, I want to say that in between the time where Passover starts and ends, um, there's the Feast of uh, Unleavened Bread. And during this time, they were to get all the yeast out of the house. And listen to what the new, when the New Testament references that. Don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast so that you may be a new unleavened batch as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us keep the festival not with the old bread leavened with malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Now, when I read that scripture, I really felt like the Lord was calling me to take this time, these seven days, and take an inventory of perhaps past inner vows that I've created out of a need to be protected, 
out of um, just any sort of soul hurt in my life and release them for the new bread to become who I really am. You know, our past inner vows can sometimes inhibit our new walk with God. And there's, it can be really deceptive. And so in today's teaching, which I'm getting ready to go into, I want us to look at these inner vows that you and I, that there might be lurking inside of us, sort of like a drumbeat deep within our subconscious. And we don't really even know that we're following it. But now that we've been rescued and redeemed, you and I can walk by a new truth in a new way. And as that verse said, so that you may be a new unleavened, a new unleavened batch as you really are. So now we're going to go into today's teaching and I want to invite you to go on a journey with me over these next seven days and really begin to ask God. I'm going to give you two questions at the end of this teaching. Those are the two questions that I'm going to be using inside of my own personal prayer time to really ask God to give me discernment and to clean out the yeast, to get rid of the old so that I can embrace the new, the new identity that I really am in Christ. And so are you. And now on with today's teaching. There was one summer when my boys were little and They had found a little praying mantis in the yard. I have two boys, so that's what we do. We do bugs and, you know, things like that. And and so we found the praying mantis, and they said, Mom, can we put it inside of our critter cage? And I said, yes. And so they put grass in there and twigs and leaves, and, and, and they named the praying mantis. His name was Manny. And we went online and found out that this praying mantis ate crickets. And so we went down to the pet store and got crickets, and we fed the praying mantis. And and we were really enjoying Manny for a while, and we put a little water in there for him, and 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 we had a good time with Manny. And one day, I said to my boys, I said, you know, this is really not where Manny is supposed to be. Manny needs to be out in the wild. Don't you think that we should open up the door and set him free? And they said, Yeah, Mom, that's fine. And so so we'll do that. And so at night, right before the boys went to bed, we put our little critter cage out on the front porch and we opened up the door and we all said goodbye to Manny, our praying mantis. And so then we all went to bed and the next morning the boys got up and the first thing they did was they ran to the door and we expected to see an empty cage, but there inside of that cage with the door open, Manny was still inside of his cage. Sometimes, sometimes leaving those places of past protection can take a lot of courage. 
And the boys started talking to Manny and saying, you're free now, go out, go out, go out. And so they started talking to this praying mantis and the praying mantis stayed there. And it stayed there for a long time. Now, eventually it did leave. It reminds me so much of Pharisees. Here was Jesus who was ushering in their freedom, ushering in the new covenant, bringing in through preaching the gospel to them that it was time for them to become free. But because their hearts were blind, they completely missed Jesus and they completely missed out on this new season that God was getting ready to give them. Now, the Pharisees, they were like lawyers back then. They interpreted laws. And in their interpretation, which um, which they did this interpretation in, in, in trying to clarify these laws, um, and the laws that they were trying to clarify all stemmed from the, um, the Mosaic law that God gave inside of the Old Covenant. But when they interpreted those laws, they ended up creating hundreds and hundreds of more laws on top of that. And so all of a sudden, the law to them, the law to them became this list of external rules that they could follow. And they prided themselves on following these rules because it was from these rules that they were able to distinguish themselves from others. They felt superior because of the law that they kept. And from that place, that is where their hearts became hard. It was as if the law created this permanent fixture over their heart. Now, in Mark um, 3, 5, it says that um, Jesus looked around them and in anger, deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. And so when they saw Jesus, they did not see freedom. They saw a threat, a threat to their identity, a threat to their popularity. I mean, Jesus was getting all this attention. And so because of that, they missed out on their freedom. And even though today you and I don't have the hundreds of laws that we put on on top of the law, and we can look inside of the Pharisees and say, well, I'm not legalistic like that. But one thing that you and I can do that is just as, um, as deadly is that you and I can create laws. And all of a sudden, these laws in our life, when they're at the center, become our leader instead of the Lord. Let me explain this to you. When you and I walk through a traumatic experience, oftentimes um, from that traumatic experience, we will create in our mind judgments or decisions um, about what happened. And usually when we do, um, we will say things like, I will never again. For example, I will never trust other people again. Or we will say things like, I will always depend on myself. Sometimes we make judgments about people. We might say, men will always take advantage of me, right? 
And so we create these laws in our life. And the laws that we create, they are limits that we put on our life because we want to protect ourselves. Now, let me be clear about this, that when you and I walk through a traumatic experience, and and of course we want to learn from our experience and we don't want to get hurt, but when we take those limits and when those limits become permanent in our life, they replace God's leading. When past limits become inner vows, we have chosen them instead of the Lord to lead us. We have placed ourselves instead of Christ in the driver's seat. You see, security in life doesn't come from a strict regimen I keep, but from a Redeemer I determine to follow. You might be standing in the doorway today, and there was a past season where God gave you some parameters, and now He's calling you out so that those past parameters won't prevent you from pursuing Christ. And as you look at those promises preached through the gospel, that is the encouragement that you can have to propel you out to live the life that you were created and redeemed to live. But wherever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Sometimes those past places of hurt can prevent us from pressing forward and following the Holy Spirit when those past places become laws that we've placed over our heart. So all of us, then it goes on to say in verse 18, so all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into a glorious image. Listen to me. The law, your inner vows, the I will nevers, they do not have the ability to change your life. It's not the rules, but a Redeemer. Our God is not merely a rule maker. He is a heart changer. And it is through pressing into Christ that you and I are transformed glory after glory after glory. And one of the ways He does this is He offers us, instead of walking in that old covenant, He offers us this life of grace. Now, grace can be defined this way. Grace is not the the shoulds. It's I should, I will never. Grace is I follow Jesus, and it's God's ability in my life to do what I could not. And so God invites us to walk by faith and not by sight and to take off the lens by coming to Christ who can remove that veil over our hearts. And as we believe in Him and trust in Him, we are transformed one beautiful, bold, brave step at a time. You see, God lifts off that lens and He gives you the lens of the gospel. And through that lens, you begin to see yourself, 
others and God differently, and you begin to live differently. And we see that inside of our scripture. Um, uh, Mark 2, 17 says, I have not come to call those who think they are righteous, but for those who know they are sinners. We see ourselves differently because we see our need for a Savior. We become humble before Him, and that's a beautiful place to be, to know that you can depend on God's righteousness and not your own. And the other thing about that is that not only can you depend on God's righteousness to transform you, you can also depend on His righteousness to stand under as you are being transformed. In other words, you stand in the righteousness of Christ. You are justified by faith alone. And not only do you see yourself differently, but you see Jesus differently. I mean, even in preparing for this talk, you begin to see how amazing and awesome and wonderful Jesus is. You see him as the solution for the sin in your life. You see his amazing sacrifice and love for you. And a response that just comes naturally is to worship him by living for him and telling others about him. And you see people differently. This was one of the greatest gifts in my life. And let me tell you, it continues to be a gift because I have to continue to um, put on that lens of the gospel every day. But you begin to see others differently because as you breathe in grace for yourself, you will exhale it for others. You notice how inside of our nourish scripture this week, Jesus saw people differently than the Pharisees. He saw their potential. He saw their hearts. And that is a beautiful truth about taking off the lens of the law and putting on the lens of the gospel. Putting on that lens of the gospel, living by grace, means that we experience healing. We experience forgiveness, joy, and eternal purpose and authority over the enemy, but most importantly, a soft heart. Ezekiel eleven nineteen through 20 says this, And I will give them singleness of heart and put a new spirit within them, and I will take away their stony, stubborn heart and give them a tender, responsive heart, so they will obey my decrees and regulations they will truly be my people, and I will be their God. And it is in the pursuing of Christ that that veil is lifted. And in closing today, I want to invite you to do something that a friend once told me to do, and I keep it a regular part of my prayer routine. If, if I'm feeling uptight or anxious or angry, I'll often spend some time in prayer and ask God, Lord, are there any inner vows that I've created that have set themselves up as Lord in my heart and that are preventing me from living as you intended? And I'll just pray that prayer and spend some time listening and reading the word. 
Or I might pray this, Lord, is there a new season before me that you're ready for me to walk through? And yet I'm not seeing it. If so, would you show me? And then you and I listen for the truth. And as we are led by the truth and we walk out of our old ways, following the Holy Spirit, we can consistently look up and see as we look at the cross, God's promises preached to us through the gospel propel us into the new life we were created and redeemed to live. So that wraps up our podcast today. Thanks for joining us. This is Eileen Thompson reminding you that the battle for your heart is epic and you are a treasure worth fighting for. But make sure you don't fight alone because when women walk by faith together with each other, that's when we find strength to flourish. And this is exactly why we started the Treasure Tribe. We wanted to give women everything that they needed to study God's Word all in one place in a way that would transform their lives and provide that supportive community so that we could cheer each other on. And you can subscribe today for less than $10. And when you do, every penny of that $10 goes back into supporting our ministry. It's really a win for everybody. You know what? You can thrive with daily truth and a tribe by your side. Support our ministry by joining the Treasure Tribe today and get the encouragement you need to become all that God has created you to be. Visit treasuretribe.com to sign up today. Thanks for listening in, and I'll talk to you next week. I hope to see you inside the Treasure Tribe. Bye-bye.